There is a den of mages over in this village that have opened a new rift to the breach. Hmm. Explains all the monster attacks in the area recently. What would you like to do about it, Harold? Let's ride at night and use the element of surprise to catch them off guard. Excellent strategy, Harold. After all, you know what they say. No, don't you freaking say it. Say what? I have only been the Inquisitor for a week, and I have had to hear that stupid joke every time I introduce myself as the Inquisitor. I have no idea what you're talking about, Harold. Yeah, what joke? You know, the joke. The one everyone makes about the Inquisition. Oh, you mean... The Inquisition. Let's begin! The Inquisition. Look out, Sin! We have our mission to convert. Oh, that's that's one I haven't heard in a while. Well, what did you think we were going to say? Yeah, I mean, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition, right? That's it. I quit. Have fun dealing with your own risks. Wow. Yeah. And there's so many Inquisitors with that joke. Do you think we should retire it? Nah, they're the ones that can't take a dumb joke. Come on, let's go annoy the guards with the whole knights who say knee bit. <laughs> Classic. In the early 2000s, Kelly Ryan and Matt Mason were sent to backlog prison for the crime of owning too many games. These RP gamers promptly escaped with help from their staff to the internet underground. Today, still drowning in unplayed games, they survive as podcasters with no fortune. If you have a backlog, if no one else can help, well, you've already found them. It's our A-Team of RPG Backtrack. Welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast, your weekly RPG news show, and Q&A Quest, your weekly RPG feedback show. We are your nostalgia show, RPG Backtrack. And I, you know, doing this intro myself for the first time, dear God, does the RPG appear in that? enough times i think i just said rpg like 70 times in a one minute period um as you probably noticed we've got no kelly ryan tonight i'm flying solo in the hosting seat but that's okay because i have some of the best cops around to help me out with this and uh we're gonna have three excellent people talking tonight we'll go in order here our good cop for dragon age inquisition is going to be Jervon. How you doing, Jervon? Hello, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Excellent. So you ready to profess your love for this game tonight? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. We want the ferventness. Uh, second, and uh, kind of middle of the road, our middle cop, our medium cop, Miss Sam, back again. Yeah, this is a confusing role for me. I'm, uh, I'm a little <laughs> nervous. On the plus side, I've got my Dorian plushie with me, so I'm having a, I'm having a great night. There you go. There you go. So maybe leaning a little bit more one way than the other. And the the person completely on the other side of the fence, 
our bad cop tonight, Mr. Flagellate David. cop monk doing the jam rock shuffle, David McBurney, Family Master. Yeah, I'm referencing a better RPG. Well, there you go. You know, <laughs> I, I guess no matter what we talk about, there's probably usually one better. <laughs> usually it's me. <laughs> so, uh, did you guys all play this at launch? Oh, look at that. I go right to like the last question, right in the intro, but whatever. You know what? Nobody's You're flying to solo. To do you can do That's whatever right. you want. I played it, played it before launch because Ooh. they uh, allowed you to play it early if you were willing to sign up for EA Access. Oh, look at you. So, uh, okay, <sighs> so we have early. Bad cop played it early. Medium cop, when did you play it? Um, I let my husband play it first. So I was probably about six months to a year after it released. All right. And good cop, when did you fall in love? Uh, so I've been a Dragon Age fan since 2008. I, I've been a Bioware fan just in general. So um, I was following this like every piece of media that was going. So I want to say I played it the first night, but I would be honest and say I pretty much spent uh, the first night drinking uh, Red Bull and basically trying to create the perfect character, having to restart the game multiple times because I messed up on one smidge of a thing <laughs> and it didn't look right in the cutscene, so I had to restart it again and restart it again. That's the oh, yes, at launch, Ooh. but uh, I'm such a perfectionist with uh, especially Bioware games that mm -hmm. it, it took a while to get it started, but I did start. <laughs> well, I mean, what what class and race did you finally settle on? Oh, playthrough. My first playthrough. Oh God, it's so hard to remember. I play this game annually. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. I have so long I game. Wow. <laughs> I can't remember which one was the first one, but I have two main canonical playthroughs. Uh, both of them, with the character uh, named Serenity. Uh, one of them is human, uh, uh, romancing Dorian, of course, because Dorian is always there. Uh, which is why I was kind of squeeing in the background when you mentioned the plushie. And the other one is, uh, oh, sorry, human, uh, what was it? I've, I'm trying to think of basically a tank. Uh, I kind you of play like a warrior? Yes, yeah, so I do a warrior uh, tank. Um, and the other one is, uh, oh my gosh. Did you do a mage? No, actually. Uh, oh, archer, archer. So hmm. it would be warrior and archer. And I kind of switch between the subclasses, but those two main ones. And uh, the other one is, of course, uh, being elven, because I have this huge thing for being Dalish and way too proud of it and being snarky and all that stuff about it too. So let's say those two <laughs> would be kind of like my deal. Points. All right. Well, I guess before we uh, go ahead and ask a million other questions that probably we should save for other parts of the program today, no. I will. <laughs> I know. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fight the urge to just keep going and we'll hear a little, hear a little jingle, hear a little tune. Uh, from Dragon Age Inquisition, and then we'll come back and get the main event started. So sit right back, take a little listen, and we'll be back in a moment.
And we're back for the main event tonight. We are talking Dragon Age Inquisition. This is a game from, let's see, October 6, 2015 on your PS4, an action RPG from our friends over at BioWare. And as we've already heard, we had uh, some people who played this day negative two, day negative three, uh, day one, and uh, day about 180. So I'm going to sit back here and let you guys just uh, talk about what you loved, what you hated, who you well, loved, who you hated. I think you got the year wrong on this. Do I really? This was a 2014. Oh, my gosh. I'm looking on the, you know what? I'm looking at the uh, game of the year. Oh, game of the year edition. State. Thanks a lot, PSN. Thanks for your... This is why you never trust the PSN. You always trust Wikipedia. In this case, they are correct. It won a number of Game of the Year awards in 2014. All right. So, yep, sorry. Well, I guess it deserved a good Game of the Year award. But speaking of Game of the Year award, I mean, Game of the Year editions, by the time you're listening to this, the sale's already over because it ends in about, <laughs> let's see, five hours from the time we're recording this. Um, but it goes as low as $8 on PSN. So we'll pick it that up later in the roundup. It won't take long to do that again. <laughs> no, it will not. This, uh, this is on a heavy uh, sale rotation, I'm sure. But okay, I've already screwed up the release date. So before I screw up anything else, I'm going to turn this over. Um, who, who would like to start telling us what this game's all about? Uh Someone else, because uh, just a small preview, this game bored me enough that I didn't finish it, despite having been excited enough to pour money into EA Access to play it early. <laughs> oh, I can go. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, Mr. Annual Playthrough, yes. <laughs> Fair <Who> enough. <laughs> All right, so Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, third game in the Dragon Age series. Um so pretty much like the previous two, you take on a customized character who is uh, basically trying to uh, save the uh, save the world yet again. Um, but this time, it's saving all of Thetis versus it being a little, well, way more focused story-wise in Dragon Age 2 and Origins, where it was just specifically the rise of... Um, Oh gosh, what is it called? The Blight Darkspawn, that shit? Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, and uh, unlike the other two, this was their the first one where it was open world. And though I will say it's definitely not the most exciting to trudge through because they jam-packed the, uh, <laughs> jam so many things into them and it becomes a very tedious thing. Um, it was definitely a far cry from the more, much more constrained uh, Dragon Age 2. Um, but you play as the Inquisitor. Um, you actually get a choice uh, between um, quite a few races. Um, let's see, the uh, humans, elves, uh, dwarves, and the Canari. And I think that's it. Um, and so uh, basically there's this big uh, green tear in the sky, the rift has been opened um you have this um how do i not get into spoilers for this oh no spoil it so i don't have to worry about okay i was i was like trying my best to like dance around the the bigger concepts in the story so basically you you get this anchor that's like been like stuck into your hand 
and um, only you can seal the rifts. Um, and uh, you pretty much get your ragtag uh, group of um, allies who join you. Um, and you go on, I, I would agree with some people, where it feels like a Scooby-Doo Conquest, where uh, <laughs> you you go after the big baddie who was actually the baddie at the end of the DLC in Dragon Age Two, um, and uh, and 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 you learn a lot more about the lore, and um, and I would say uh, if you've played through all of them and through the DLC, it really does lead up to some very interesting things that will hopefully. Um, I know things have been rocky with <laughs> Bioware, but hopefully uh, pan out in uh, Dragon Age 4 uh, whenever we get announcements and a release for that. Um, yeah, no, this, I, okay, so when I played Inquisition, I quite enjoyed elements of it. I played as a Kanori warrior because I was like, no, you know what, the Kanori are neat. I I want to be a six foot, seven foot tall Kanari lady, you know, and I tower over literally everybody in the whole game. Um, that was like pretty exciting. I like the cast of characters in this game. Uh, not all the new ones I enjoyed, but like there's a lot of good stuff character focused stories in this game whereas i found the big overarching story didn't have a great payoff especially when you get to the end you're like and then it was soulless all along and you're just like fucking cares about soulless of course it was you (laughs) soulless I, I, I'm going to be a bitch for a sec, but I did not care for that. Like, am I still going to play Dragon Age 4? Yes. Did I care that Solus did stuff? No. I was not happy with what he did to Flemeth. It was like, you're a little bitch. Like, that, that's what it came across as. Like, he's being a little bitch. He stones Flemeth. Flemeth is now a stone person. And you're just like, well, why? Like, mm, you're a tough boy, I guess. I don't know. I just, in general, like, I don't like Solus. And as soon as I could bench him, I did. <laughs> He was a hard bench. <laughs> it's like, this is where you belong, homeboy. I am not I am not bringing you along with me. And then you get the DLC that explains more of Solus's motives, I guess, to branch into what Dragon Age 4 is. And I was just like, I still don't like you, homeboy. Like, I'm, I'm still not interested in what you're doing because you're kind of doing a dumb. Um, but I like, again, I liked a lot of the story focus um, for characters who are returning uh, especially Varric, you know, Varric motherfucking Tethrys oh, is the best character. And, you know, we get the story behind Bianca, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, I loved Iron Bull. Iron Bull made me die a lot inside. He was just, he was such joy. <laughs> now that's badass. <laughs> I'm badass. Um, and I mean, you're, when your brain puts together that that's Freddie Prince Jr., <laughs> even more I just had him on retainer there for a couple years oh yeah no um bull is a delight bull's story is probably the silliest of everybody's um but i quite i quite liked it and then you know you've got cassandra um who wants to read all of Verk's fan fiction can you blame her I mean, the, the, I want that book to be real, and I want it to be narrated by Varric's voice actor, because the way that that folds out in the end credits is just a chef's kiss. It is magical. Um, you've got Blackwall, disgraced warden, kind of sad puppy, who may have been kicked a couple of times. 
He's not a bad guy. He just needs a hug. Then you get Dorian, and he's the best character. And because I played a woman, I could not date Dorian. I was very upset by it. (laughs) For a little bisexual, you know, fun coitus time, did not get that. So I was a little, I was a little miffed. Even more mad, though, I wanted to sleep with Vivian, and the game wouldn't let me do that either. I was like getting blocked every which way. Oh, oh, the amount of, you know, vag blocking I got throughout the game. Like my choices were basically, do you want to have sex with Sarah? And I was like, no, Sarah's crazy. (laughs) And then they were like, do you want to have sex with Iron Bull? No, he's crazy. (laughs) Do you want to have sex with Blackwall? Oh, he's a sad puppy. You know what? He probably needs this more than I do. (laughs) I have the worst. I might just make him sadder. I think she was sadder. (laughs) You know, you scale the wall and you realize how sad he is. I'm guessing you romance Colin? No, I I romance Blackwall. Oh, (laughs) that was not a a threat. That was not a joke. No, I literally scaled the wall and all I got was a sad puppy back. Even sadder than before. He he was he was very pouty and very puffy and it was just like oh pat 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 you you sweet sweet man who just is so fucking sad. You so yeah. <laughs> Look the way that wardens given the wardens kind of are a weird issue in this game. It's like it made me think of like the Simpsons episode where they like you know there's the no homers club but you can have one. No homers. <laughs> it's the no homers and Blackwall's <laughs> the one warden you're allowed to have if you want him. Like I guess Thanks we could take the great wardens or I guess we could exile them. Uh, you know I mean one of the choices in this game. So when I played the original Dragon Age. Um, I imported my save for all of them. And one of the things I did was, um, so I hate Loghain, but I also dislike Alistair. <laughs> How do I make them both miserable? <laughs> so, no, I did exactly that. So when I finished the original Dragon Age, um, I played a human noble, and in the human noble story, uh, Loghain kills your family because he's a douchebag. Um, I made him sleep with Morgan because I was like, you can sleep with the grody witch and that's your punishment. I would have assumed you would have just sent him to his death, but okay. No, no, I wanted humiliation. And when you have to see the sex scene between him and Morgan, my God, he looks like he's so frightened. It's amazing. Um, And then, of course, in my Kirk wall, I had really drunk Alistair, who was very upset that he was not the king and nobody loved him. Um, This torch is for me. Oh no, he gets, it gets better. Alistair King and I become queen in the in the origin story. <laughs> but to make matters worse, so in Inquisition, there's a bit of the game where you have to go into like the rifts, right? Um, so in my game, my warden was Loghain. And that's where wow. I finally murdered him. He was he was the human sacrifice in the rift for me. So it went full circle for Loghain. He, he had to have this prolonged humiliation in my game. <laughs> it was like, I don't like you. But now you're just, I'm a little sad for you that you're going to be a human sacrifice. But also, you're kind of an awful person. So this is a nice punishment for you. And my husband looked at me and he was like, you're horrible. You know that, right? And I'm like, yep. I'm okay with this. He's like, you thought punishing him with sex with Morgan was like a great idea. Now you're just killing him. I'm like, well, he could have been, he could have been killed in the first game. I think I was doing him a favor by keeping him alive. And he was like, no. Alive like, should mostly him. be tortured. <laughs> I did a lot of low gain torturing. Let me tell you. 
So th- like, here's your lesson. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> really what, that, that, that's what it comes down to. I tease, I tease. But it is one of those things where I, I don't know what it was. Like, I find Morgan skeevy. So it's one of those things where, like, when it comes to the ladies of Dragon Age, it's like, no, like, I like Vivian because she's salty you know i like liliana because apparently she's a stage five clinger and i like those but like there's something about morgan despite the fact that i am completely and madly in love with claudia black's voice it's one of those things where i'm just like but you're a skeevy witch and sex magic and no (laughs) hard no and that's why i was kind of bitter that i couldn't have sex with dorian playing as a female but you know you know clearly i need to replay the game so i can have like male sexy times with dorian um, because Dorian really is the most like sexy thing you want to fuck in this game. You like, get to see his up. butt if that's anything. Well, and that's it. Like, I would rather see Tevinter Mage butt than I don't want to see more like a repeat of Morgan. I don't. No thanks. Um, Sarah, you just get like this really weird because again, you can sleep with Sarah at any point, and you can also be like, I don't want anything serious. And Sarah's like sex scene is like as bad as the Isabella one from two, where it's just like, and then they flung around and shit happened. But also stuff broke and then you're done it's just like this is, this is so hot and heavy and then Blackwall is just like he's so pathetic and you roll in the hay <laughs> <laughs> wake up naked I remember that part <laughs> yep yep no and that's it like I play Bioware games to fill fulfill bad dating you know dating sims like they're just a bad dating sim for me and I love it and that's why I play them uh, I won't lie with Inquisition. I will say, why was the hinterland so fucking long? That's kind the of pace, like the pacing in the in the different areas was kind of a mess. That's that's kind of like uh, to to cut in with why I don't like this game. Like I I thought the characters that I met were fun enough, but like there was just too much bad game between them. <laughs> there is just too much just worthless. stuff. Stuff here. There is a period in the mid-10s where Bioware and Bethesda both thought to themselves, the only way to continue expanding our market share is to encroach on each other's. So both of them tried to incorporate each other's design philosophies into their games, and they both sucked ass at it. Well, this was also a period <laughs> where they were also shoehorning multiplayer into everything. Um, not that have I have a multiplayer it. mode. This I one did. Remember. Yes, one it does. <laughs> it's not. I've never heard of a single human being playing it, and I don't think it's the problem. <laughs> oh no! But again, you're thinking about that particular period, and it's like there was a lot of weird oddities that Bethesda yeah. and Bioware were like actively putting on top of their games, where you're just kind of like, this doesn't fit. Like, why yeah. are you doing this? I mean, and, and, I think back to Mass Effect multiplayer, which was oddly fun. But that's but... good multiplayer and isn't the problem with Mass Effect 3. Whereas, like, the thing that they did here where they were like, well, we're going to do open worlds. And it's like, what's well, going to be in them? And it's going to be bears. Anything else? Not anything interesting. Well, and when you're making an open world game, like, one of the things you have to sell to the player is an interesting and inviting world. And unfortunately for Inquisition and Dragon Age 2, it had to follow Origins, where Origins had an interesting world to discover. The problems that people were facing were intriguing, and the consequences of your actions were huge. And so when you go to, you know, Dragon Age 2, the stakes don't feel as high because there's no like real villain in two you kind of have like the the chantry i guess and meredith but who the fuck cares about meredith 
Um, and, and then, yeah, you go into Inquisition and the stakes are there. I don't know how fully realized they feel it, which is why, like, when you, I got to the end of the game with the whole Solus stuff, I just, I struggled to buy it. I'm a, like, I don't want to get too deep into a litigation of the series, but in general, each of them is, like... A, a desperate attempt to correct for what someone for what people seem to see as the problem of the prior game and like often vastly overcorrecting. So like Origins is the attempt to sort of bring the Baldur's Gate school of Bioware design into a more modern like post Mass Effect, post KOTOR world. And that's that's a that's a big game, but it's also got like it it's not a console friendly game at all. Uh Ooh, and... I played it on console. What's that? <laughs> I played it on console. So did I. So did I. I enjoyed it. It is clearly not meant to be played that way. Uh, And so they, with two, they were like, we want to make this overtly a console friendly game. But also we have to make this really fucking fast because EA demands it. So we are cutting back on environmental variety to try to make sure that the characters are still the big deal. And like that, like how much that works or not is going to depend on your thoughts on the characters. But then like people really, really did not like the lack of environmental variety because all the environments are essentially built from the same handful of pieces. And well, it's so, the same six corridors. Yeah. And so, like, their vast overcorrection was, oh, we'll just make, like, these gigantic environments. There's a very interesting uh, set of videos uh, that were uh, put out by one of the people who was in a leadership position. I forget what his name is. Give me a minute uh, to make sure that I am crediting the correct person uh because he's done like he he was a former bioware uh guy he has a he currently has like a fairly small but uh very insightful youtube channel just called old game game dev advice where he talks a lot about the games he worked on and just how bioware functioned internally uh it's not derrida is it no uh what's that it's not uh derrida because i know Uh, he's not there anymore it might be uh I mean, Mike Dara, uh, Mark Dara, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, but yeah, he, he talks a lot about this particular game. Maybe I'm misremembering his name, but like, yeah, but Mark Dara, I think, is his correct name. But uh, he talks a lot, a lot about this game and some of the things that went into it. And there's some very interesting insights into why it's the game that it is. And he does talk about how, like, making the game bigger and, like, raw square mileage was a huge pressure on them. Like, that was something that was deemed to be a necessary aspect. Games of this time were constantly crowing about the size of their maps in, like, bizarre uh, square mileage, which is a weird metric to use in a game world that doesn't really conform to anything like uh, square mileage, but whatever. Like the, the point is that they, they, there was this big concern and to do about how this had to be put out. And he, he even talks about like, so this game has a bunch of like smaller open worlds. Like it has a quote unquote smaller, but it has like a bunch of uh, open world maps. And he talks about how like that was supposed to make it so that there wasn't any part of the map that wasn't that didn't have anything interesting like that was the hope and then there's just an entire map that's like the wastes that has just fucking nothing in it and it's like that's that's kind of the issue is that like there's probably pound for pound about the same amount of interesting content as a dragon age origins or dragon age 2 but if you're like me you're going to run into a situation where it's like the same amount of interesting content but spread over a hundred hours is not enough 
And that's why I don't like this game, because everything that's in there seems good, except for all of the shit in between the parts that I care about. No, and you know, I think that's a completely valid point. I mean, this game was a bit too big for its britches in terms of, like, the spacing among things and, like, on just even uncovering things in the world. Um, the amount of, like, dead space between you and a quest sometimes was quite a bit. And if you're going to compare it to other Western RPGs that have big spaces, um, like, let's use The Witcher 3 as an example, you need to make sure that even in the dead space, that there's still life in that world, mm-hmm. right? Like, there still needs to be things going on. Like, what I like about Dragon Age, uh, sorry, Witcher 3, is the fact that, like, you could be riding around on your horse, and then all of a sudden you see bandits just randomly attacking a person mm-hmm. in a huge space. Or between going from town to town, there's always something happening whereas i feel like inquisition needs a little bit of that as well again the hinterlands is way too big and going from like point a to point b to point c it takes a while and it needed just a little something to bring it to life more and it's hard because i think again the game there were a lot a of market pressures around this game, to be fair. Absolutely. And it's one of those things I look at where, again, it had great characters. And I think that was still a core focus for this game, too, was making mm-hmm. sure that the characters and the story were what shone, like, shone throughout it. And that part, I think it does successfully, because the cast is still why people play these games. Most people don't play Dragon Age Inquisition and go, man, I sure do like the Hinterlands. Like, no, nobody. If you're the I person sure that says that... sure am not sick that, of the Hinterlands. If you're that person that says that, you're alone. It's okay. Um, but I question, I question it a little bit. Um, no, people play Dragon Age because they want to craft their own story and see how the world changes with their decisions that is why people play dragons that's why generally why people play bioware games i don't always know if the decision making in inquisition was super successful there's definitely stuff that i think it does really well and then there's things that i'm like i don't know how i feel about the way they handled this decision um and again it there it varies also on who you like too again i don't like morgan but i live in a house with two people who adore morgan as a character they were thrilled to see her i was just like oh it's the grody witch i didn't want to cut in and say i like morgan you're like everyone's allowed to like morgan i'm i'm a rare (laughs) person who doesn't like i'm a rare person who doesn't like morgan now to be fair i like flemeth flemeth is a bitch and i love her she's she is my kind of crazy But that's just it. Like, your enjoyment of this game really comes down to how much you like the characters and how much you like making decisions. The exploration part, I think if it had been streamlined a little better, I think could have been a real winner. I do. Um, Mm. But I think, again, just a lot of the spaces are really bloated. Um, And it's just one of those, I'm like, again, I just think back to the Hinterlands. That's the one that drives me the most insane. Because that's the one that is almost too huge for no reason. Yes, Hinterlands. Is the the Hinterlands the first area? Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure that that was... Oh, good. Hinterlands is the first area. And also... I think one of the big, it's funny, I'm I'm the good cop, and yet I'm sitting here very much agreeing with uh, David um, in the design. The Hinterlands, so what a lot of people didn't realize, and this is not me excusing it, 
because mm. I fell through the same thing. And also, this is something that um, only in subsequent playthroughs, because here's the other thing is, I'm not going to lie, I actually platinum the game. Yes. Uh, so it literally took me up until a couple of years ago to platinum it, just to give you an idea of how freaking long and tedious. Probably about three playthroughs in, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, so it's been like from 2014 to like 2000, what is it, 20, uh, 2020, I think. Yeah. So it, it took subsequent playthroughs to finally get that platinum um, and some determination because, dear God, some of those things are tedious. But um, the hinterlands, like what I, I kind of get what they were trying to do, where they're like, here's a big place and there's a lot to do. But... Uh, they didn't really say it, but they're like, you, uh, well, they softly say it, but they're like, hey, you're not supposed to be here for more than like a couple of missions. Um, because ideally, you know, a lot of us are trained in that brain of like, oh, here's this big area. I want to try to conquer everything. Yeah. And uh, if you're like me, you found out where the dragon was and then you just got your ass handed to you, uh, you know, because mm -hmm. you're like level what, four. And the first dragon is just, you know, barrels fire. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's where I, cause I, at first I was scared. I didn't realize I was supposed to leave. And I was like, that's oh, okay. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy this. And even though I'm like trudging through the hinterlands, I'm like, this is kind of awful. And then I see this meme where it said, uh, like basically, get out of the hinterlands. You're not supposed to stay in the hinterlands. Move on. And then when mm -hmm. I moved on, it made it easier. But I will also say the way I've had to really allow myself to enjoy this game is I've really had to, on subsequent playthroughs, choose like i had to like it's like a huge buffet i have to choose the things that i want and leave everything out like i really just had to cut around all the fat and just get to the story get to the parts that i find interesting and um you know and 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 it's and it's sad because um i i feel like when the story is focused and it's focused on its characters and it's 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 more you know, personal, that's when it grabs you, you know, very much what Sam yes. is saying. But you have a lot of those moments where, you know, the, the gamer and a lot of us, you know, we, we want to, you know, try to, you know, clear out the whole map or maybe not clear out the whole map, but we want to at least open up the whole map, see what's there. But, you know, when you have to do that every... <laughs> You know, it's like you get a good story smidge and then you get a little bit of We had a little bit of cutout. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, it's not you. Yeah. You were still here, David. I think oh. Ron. Oh, that's a shame. No. Uh, good cop. You still there? Uh, we don't hear you. You may need to have a quick hang up and try again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, since we're still technically recording, I guess I'll launch into I was something. Say, David, take it away. <laughs> Uh, I, I was just going to say that, like, I, I think that uh, the point Jervon is making is is uh, well thought out. Uh, the the thing I would add is that, and this is where I think the designers ran into an issue, a, a failure to understand how their player base would react to this situation, uh, was that uh, that in, in general, like, because of the way the prior games had been designed, you went into a new Dragon Age with the expectation that 
the game would uh, like this wasn't even a Dragon Age specific thing. This was a Bioware thing. You go to a place and you kind of don't come back. There's very few reasons why you come back to a place in Bioware games. It's usually like a specific quest might bring you back to some place you've been before. But in general, they're very you do everything in this like area, this planet, this whatever. And then you're gone. You go somewhere else. And so the hinterlands needed to have a strong point that you're going to keep coming back here. So don't do don't try to do everything. And so like the 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 failure to account for that player instinct trained by games and games is the actual problem here, as opposed to necessarily the hinterlands being full of shit, which I mean, you could probably have cut out a fair few of those quests. But that's that's neither here nor there. The, the point is that like that it that definitely my experience was marred by my expectations that they failed to take into account and actively curtail. <laughs> that's yeah, fair. yeah, that's yeah. I I I could I could see um I could see that cuz really I would say the only reason why or not the only reason but a big reason why I did at least find the quest interesting was mainly because I am such a huge Dragon Age fan and I love lore and they snuck in enough to where I was like, oh my gosh, this is so, oh, I remember this from this game or I remember this from that game. They, it, it's, it's enough to where, you know, you, you see little like snippets of things, but if you're not into like the little details of, you know, this one character who had a quirky line from, you know, Origins, and you saw them a little bit in Dragon Age 2, and then you see their fate in, you know, Inquisition in a side quest, um, they're not going to mean much. And, you know, and of course, that's going to very much uh, jade uh, the new players and such. And um, and I will say um, one thing I'm glad about is Bioware seems to understand where their misstep was, because the one thing I will say is even though uh, there is way too much filler in the main story, in the subsequent DLCs, but very specifically Trespasser, the last one, they really honed down on giving you some exploration. But it was the one that felt the most, uh, this is not a real good term, but it felt the most dragon agey. Uh, you had dungeons to explore. You went into mirrors. You learned more about the lore, like about the elven lore, and it flipped its on its and and you learned things that flipped the lore on its head from, uh, you know what you knew about the Dalish. Like uh, the Dalish were so big on preserving the information, and yet you realized they had the information wrong. Uh, you know, and 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 it wasn't their fault, but it was like you know the quote unquote gods, the elves you know, who who manipulated them, had them as slaves. And like, so you learn a lot of fascinating stuff um, on top of the fact that it moves at a good pace. Like uh, Trespasser gives you that premise of, okay, something's going on. Uh, we're going to give you some story, move out to this area. And very much in, you know, what David was saying, where, you know, you explore a place and then you're kind of done, you know, there's no... There wasn't much retrack. Uh, there wasn't much retracking. You moved to a place. You saw what was there. You got what you needed, and you moved on. And it just—it was so nice. And that's one thing that I'm really hoping they can continue with. And I'm hoping that's one thing Bioware won't dip back into in the future. You know, is—is is, you know, I, I think I hope that's one asset or or one aspect of bethesda that they're not going to try and you know uh dip in anymore because 
I'm I, I am definitely a person who admittedly, you know, I've even replayed Andromeda several times, but I will say I'm not a fan of how they do open worlds, and I like it when they're just far more focused. Uh, Trespasser to me was like a a return to form in that uh, way, and um, yeah. No, I think that's a great way to describe it because mm. Bioware is at its best when it's being its most linear. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think back to games like Jade Empire, where Jade Empire is an incredibly linear game in terms of how all its quest interactions are. And it sets you up for this really great and grand story with an awesome twist at the end, right? And I feel like that's that's how Bioware does its best work is the more the more honed in it is on what they think is important, the better a lot of it is. Um, and again, when it's focused on its characters, I mean, that's that's one of the things I love about Inquisition. I also like elements of the world as well. Like one of my favorite areas in Inquisition is Orlay. Like you finally get to go to the weird France, you know, of is it is it or not Orlay? Um, oh, yeah. You mean like is, where you played the, it's the game. fake France? Yeah, Orlay yeah. is the fake France. I it think. is fake France. OK, yeah. I had that right then. Um, like I liked going to fake France. <laughs> Um, you know, and I liked seeing, again, even just the way in which each area has different elements of things like segregation, like that area is actually fantastic for that, where it's like, so here's all the wealthy people, here's all the not so wealthy people, you know, and you have, you know, elements of classism, racism, um, and the game is very good about kind of giving each city that you visit its own personality, and it's very distinctive. Um, and when you're exploring those areas, you feel very much a part of them. So I found like when you're doing the city exploration in Inquisition, I like I quite enjoyed it. Um, when it was just again large scale, um, you know, areas, you know, I I wasn't as thrilled. Um, but I think there was a lot of really great quests in the game as well. Um, I believe you were hinting at at one point, uh, Dravan, the the little dwarven mage girl. Oh, Dagna. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> because she's the one that she's one of the ones that comes completely full circle in all three games. And Dagna's one of the best characters. Oh man, that's shaking loose on memory. Yeah. Um, I mean, even just the way like the games connect from, you know, two to Inquisition or one to Inquisition, there's always little interesting elements throughout it. Absolutely. Um, just even seeing how different people are connected together is I think pretty fascinating as well. Like Again, one of the best bits of Inquisition for me is was just Varric and Cassandra finally kind of being in the same place and they're not, you know, telling the story anymore. It's literally now they have no choice. They have to work together. Um, neither of them seems thrilled by it, um, but there's just a lot of great like poking and prodding between the two of them that just... It makes those bantery moments a lot more fun. That's also why I like Vivian. Vivian gets some excellent zingers on some of the other characters that just, like, she could be mean. <laughs> like, I believe she calls Solus a hobo apostate. Actually, yeah. her and uh, Dorian, if you put all three of them in the party, they basically combine and just drag him. Well, I think one of them calls him a hobo. The other one's like apostate hobo or something like that. It's, yeah. it's I, amazing. <laughs> I feel like between the two of them, it's hard to tell who's the king or queen of shade because <laughs> they both just toss shade like it's nobody's business. 
And it's just one of those things where, like, anytime I see Vivian throwing shade, it's like, work, girl. Like, I'm I'm into this, you know. Just just, just lay it on me. Shame me, woman. Um, because <laughs> she's, she's a fun character. And, again, I know a lot of people don't like her. Again, all the Morgan lovers in my house are not very fond of Vivian, and I'm the opposite. I think Vivian is such a fun character because... She's someone with such a hidden story. Again, she uses her sarcasm and anger to hide who she is and what's happened to her. And when you learn about it, it's like, yeah, no, this woman has a tragic past. Um, and anger is how she deals with a lot of it, you know? Um, whereas you she survived. In order exactly a mage at court is a big thing. I'm not gonna lie. I I'm, I'm actually with you. It, it seems like a lot of our characters are a lot of your favorites are my favorites. Vivian became uh she sat on the sunburst throne in my playthroughs. She did it in mine as well. I, I and I know people are like, what? But she hate she's a self-hating mage. I'm like you don't get it. She's oh, like, I love going to her for advice. Like as my inquisitor, I constantly go to her for advice. And one of the things that really I loved in Trespasser is, um, so you see a lot of that snark between her and Dorian, right? Throughout the story. Um, in my final, my final part, I guess you could say was basically Cassandra. No, 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 it was not Cassandra. Uh, Cassandra was there, but I I purposely make my character the tank so I could have actually have Vivian and <laughs> Dorian in the party. Uh, but I have them, and then I usually have um oh my gosh, what is his name? Oh, I can't think of his name right now. The thief, the um Cole. Uh, Cole, yes, Cole, yes, yes. The well, depending on how you take it, either the spirit or or the boy, <laughs> the real boy. Um. <laughs> Uh, Cole, and they're snarky, 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 and then in Trespasser, as, you know, the Inquisitor's having some major issues with the Anchor, and the Anchor's practically killing him, you actually get dialogue where they're both horribly worried, because, of course, Vivian becomes, like, mother figure, and Dorian's basically Bae, so you have this, oh my gosh, um, it's hurting him, I'll do this, I'll do that, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll work together on this, and you're like, wait, whoa, you guys melt, like, after 180 hours of gameplay, you guys have melted together, and, you know, come together, it just, you know, took the near death of my Inquisitor to get you guys to, you know, but I don't know, I love her character, and, and yeah, I, I love that she's very hardcore, and I know, I like that she doesn't soften. Like no, players. that's Very one true. of the best things about her is the fact that she will always tell you things straight. And even if you don't want to hear it, she's very articulate about the fact that it's like, hey, in this situation, you're going to die. We can try to find a way for you not to die, but your choices are this or this. Like in that regard, she could be a little black and white, but she has, I think, a lot of good reason for it. <laughs> Um, again, I think there are just certain characters that get particularly really good stories. Like Dorian's story about, you know, he's a gay mage and he basically gets told, you can't be a gay mage. You know, it's heartbreaking. He gets disowned. And I remember just like sobbing in front of my television and be like, oh, boo, I love you. Like, why can't we date? Oh, right. Because I have a vagina in this game. Uh. So like, I loved him. Like Colin was a weird one because like, I didn't care for Cullen in two, but he grew on me in Inquisition. Cassandra grew on me in Inquisition. I mean, most of the time my party was usually Varric and Vivian. So I had the other kind of snark. <laughs> <laughs> because I, 
in all fairness, my favorite character in drag in the series as a whole is Varric. It always has been Varric. As much as I don't love parts of two, and I really don't like elements of two, I love Varric, and I think he's one of the best things they've created in the series. Because how do you not love a snarky dwarf who just, you know, he's a total shit, and he loves being a shit, and it's hard not to love that. Like, no, he's he's fabulous. Um, but Vivian was up there for me as well, just because, again, I like I like a snarky lady. Like in this regard, in that regard, I I mean, I dated Liliana in my first playthrough of Origins, and this time around, it was like, mm, we're not we're not doing that. <laughs> we're we're not going back to stage five clinger because it turned out so well the last time, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but just this cast is really fun, and everybody is pretty likable for the most part. He, again, I make fun of Blackwall, but about being like he's just a sad puppy, but he's still likable, and I think that's so important. Like that you have a cast of characters that you enjoy being around because again, you're spending a hundred hours with them. You know, the least you can do is have enjoyable characters to go with it. Whereas, you know, I remember playing Fallout Four, and I put a hundred hours into Fallout Four, and I. I was like I don't actually like these characters like I'm not enjoying my time with them the banter's not working for me um the way that characters in Bioware games tend to there's just something very casual with a lot of the characters as well like they feel like they're your friend right yeah I have to say it's uh it is difficult to replay the games um I, I love them, but it, it does. It I I have a whole routine on how to get through the 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 bigger parts. Um, but sometimes I also have to take long breaks. Um, but one of the things I've noticed I've had to do, and this is such a, an embarrassing confession, but um, I had to make an ex like a. I worked on a very te uh, I a very tedious nitpicky. Um, basically a playlist for my Dorian Inquisitor romance. And so what I do is I'll turn off the in-game music and I'll turn on my playlist and use that to basically get through the more tedious parts because it keeps reminding me, hey, this part isn't too fun, but hey, you'll, 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 you'll get to see, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get to talk to Dorian and, and it'll be amazing and you'll love it. Just keep going keep going keep going you'll get there um it's it's a whole process and you know it's not like that all the way obviously but you know especially in the beginning you know there's there's there is a bit of that and also because there is that um nagging annoying part of me that even though i've replayed the game over and over and over and i can just skip over like some places i still have to do the quote unquote full canonical playthrough as i call them so I kind of have to conquer at least a majority of things in each map <laughs> at certain spots in the story. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Matt, you got any more questions for us? Well, I would if we were in the final lap when we uh, get some more personal questions. But if you guys feel like you've covered it enough, we can... Uh take a little musical interlude and head on to that. Well, do we have anything else we want to cover about it? I feel like anything else will come up in the questioning. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, sit back, take a little break from hearing us talk. Uh, we'll be back in about 30 seconds.
and we're back. All right, so we're going to start the roundtable here. Um, kind of talk about memories of when you played this. Of course, we've already talked about that. Um, and then we'll wrap up with some price and availability. Although, hey, spoiled that one already, too. So, you know, we're, we're going to take this podcast full circle, come back to my uh, first question as the last question. But first off, uh, who wants to start off telling their favorite moment? What's your favorite or funniest or both moment from the game? Oh, I can I can give you one. So I believe it's in I think it's the Trespasser DLC. There's a bit where you can have a mud bath with Vivian and you've got like the little, you know, uh, cucumbers on your eyes and you're totally talking about like who who you're sleeping with and all that stuff um it's just such a genuinely entertaining moment that you just and it's so random it's just like here's mud bath here's you in the mud bath with vivian so who did you fuck uh um again any any moments with vivian where you know you guys are relaxing and chilling is pretty great um i also love i also love tormenting blackwall i found that to be a lot of fun in the game but I'm a horrible person. So, yeah. The, the, I would say uh, Mud Baths with Vivian is my favorite part of Dragon Age Mud Baths with Vivian. All right. David uh, oh, or Javon, either way. Go ahead. Uh, so, um, I guess I'm going to be far more sentimental because I'm not going to lie. Uh, the romance tends to be a really huge thing for me. <laughs> um, for me, it was finally seeing the fruition of the romance between... Um, Specifically, the um, noble, yeah, the noble human uh, inquisitor and Dorian. Um, I, I really, uh, I really loved the the story that uh, led up to the romance because it wasn't just insta love. It wasn't like, oh hey, I like you. Um, it was a lot of like uh, a lot of like coy flirting back and forth, but no one either admitting anything. And then came the big moment where uh, you you kind of basically get stuck into Dorian's uh, uh, issue um, when a very uh, important heirloom from the family is taken and bought off. And he's like, don't get involved. I don't need the Inquisitor involved. I don't need to owe you something. And you still, of course, intervene because, you know, story and romance. And you intervene, and he's, like, kind of mad about it. And you have the choice to either tip him off about his father or or not. I always tip him off because, I don't know, I I, um, I, I can relate to Dorian, uh, myself being queer. So I, I really also took, like, a very – I also took, like, a very personal, uh, personal uh, feel to the story. But um, anyway, it, it all culminates to this moment where you meet the uh, meet his father uh, in the pub, and um, there's a lot of this tension. And you he reveals that he's gay, and he reveals that you know uh, he was married off, and his father tried to make him tranquil, which basically. Uh, you could think of like as a mage, if you're tranquil, you're basically cut off from like the world in a way where you just kind of become a vegetable. Like you have no emotion. The games treat it like a prefrontal lobotomy. Yeah. And so it, it, it of course becomes, uh, depending on how you analyze it, this double entendre for a conversion camp. And it, it gets, it gets quite heavy. Um, and you have the choice between, uh, either uh, having him forgive his father or not forgive his father. 
And uh, previously, I used to choose not to forgive the father because of a lot of personal reasons. I I took this story way too personal. Um, And so I was like, uh, so, um, but anyway, uh, even though there's a lot of that heaviness, one of the things that I like is he always comes off very like funny and, you know, uh, um, using jokes to kind of keep things light. But then when things get serious, you have the moment where you can have a fling with him. But he says, he he starts, he starts, he says, okay, you know, we can have this fling. Uh we'll 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 leave it here and you know, uh we'll have fun and I'll I'll just, you know, leave. Not leave the Inquisition, but you know, I'll just leave your quarters. Um, and you kind of nudge him more and he starts to, he basically starts to go, you, you, of course, you know, find out that he actually really does love you and the Inquisitor loves him and stuff like that. Um, but I will say one of the other funny side things is, uh, when he, you see, you're having the conversation about him coming out to his dad and the Inquisitor can interject and basically say, wait, you're, and he's like, yes, I like to sleep with men. Da, 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 da. And um, for me, because I've been flirting with him the whole time, and I choose this option because you you can kind of color your Inquisitor during this moment too. I basically was, um, I basically said, oh yeah, like my character likes to lie with men too. He's like, yeah, uh, my Inquisitor is like, yes, I like to lie with men too. And I practically died when Dorian's like, no way. <laughs> like basically being very coy, like, yeah, I didn't understand the Inquisitor. Like he's very snarky. He's like, no way, the Inquisitor. And so, yeah, I would say that's my favorite part. And then the kiss and then um, and then the thing that broke my heart when you see this, and this is why I still love Trespasser so much, very small detail. But as... The Inquisitor's thinking he's going to die and things are running out. Um, uh, the conversation becomes more uh, urgent between him and Dorian. And, but Dorian chokes at one point during the dialogue. He said, I knew you would hurt me. And that hurt me so much that I started crying and had to stop playing for a moment because that was part of the reason why he didn't want to get close to you during the story, during the romance, was because, you know, he at that some point... He, you know, he he was terrified that you were going to hurt him and just hearing him choke and say, you know, you, you're going to hurt me. And, and you know, uh, I knew you were going to hurt me was just things. So, yeah, I would say that's like the biggest moment. But I could probably write a whole book on moments that I love in the story. <laughs> well, there's no following up that. Um... I was going to say, come on, David, you got to You got to have a better story than that. Absolutely not. But uh, the, the the broader point, of course, one being uh, uh, don't dump on yourself for being sentimental. Uh, to paraphrase Roger Ebert, stories are machines for generating empathy. It just means the story worked. But uh, in general, uh, yeah, like obviously I did not I could not get past the things I disliked about the game enough to reach these points where the story can touch can, you know, can touch people. At, at this point, like, I, I do want to try this again and try to play it in a way that will allow me to reach the points that I can enjoy. Uh, but, you know, otherwise, like, all I can say is, I mean, it was fun to see Varric again. Still like that guy. But, you know, I can't speak much of, like, oh, this was this moment really spoke to me because it's just like, no, no, they, it is all lost in a slurry of hinterland memories, so... Yeah, that's that's all I got to say. 
<laughs> All right. So I, I know I've been hearing about characters galore for the entire thing, but uh, once and for all, who was your favorite characters? Who did you date? Who was your waifu, husbando, husbando? So my favorite character is Varric motherfucking Tethers, but I dated Blackwall because I apparently hate myself. <laughs> Just a different Please stage five player. <laughs> Usually I'm the one saying that to everybody else. <laughs> Who else did people date? Uh, you dated guess... a lot of people, I take it, Dorvan. Oh, th- oh, that I dated a lot of people? Ye- or just Dorian, repeatedly. No, it was Dorian. I tried Iron Bull, but the thing is, when when there's just a small moment that Dorian becomes sad puppy, I... You gotta fix it? All pretenses, and I go back to the same damn stories <laughs> that I replay over and over and over. <laughs> That's fair. Um, and um, but I will say I was always intrigued by Cullen's romance because I know that's very much the Inquisition's version of Alistair um, and part of me is like sad that like as a male Inquisitor I couldn't romance him because I know I probably would have given him a choice and probably may have gone with him but just because by default I, I, I knew he was going to be the Alistair of the group. Uh, you know, it was going to be cutesy. It was going to they even put a wedding. They put a dog in there for crying out loud. It's very, very over the top, very, very cutesy, happy, and you love it. And it, it's it, it's like good fan fiction. <laughs> All the fan fiction. <laughs> Yeah, uh, evidently didn't get far enough to reach any conclusion on any of them. Uh, all I can say is that Jervon's uh, uh, point did remind me of something that uh, I do appreciate about games with multiple choices. Uh, multiple choices aren't just for replays. They're like an assertion of the player's will into the world. And in that sense, it's useful and oftentimes more fun to continue to assert, no, the story that I would tell is the one that I will keep retelling every time I play the game, not just, oh, well, now I need to see how it could have gone. Nope. True. <laughs> All right. You guys have any favorite songs? I don't think I remember a single song from Dragon Age, <laughs> any of them. I, I remember, like, the drunk, the drunken songs in the bar. <laughs> Those always are there. I'm not really good at remembering music from this series, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. They're often very appropriate and completely forgettable as far as I'm concerned. Like, I've played through Origins and two two or three times each, and it's like, yep, they're fine. <laughs> so I'm going to say I love the soundtrack. <laughs> I um, There have literally been times where I've fallen asleep to certain songs. Um, as a matter of fact, let me just go to my place. But I will say right off the bat, my favorite song is the song... That uh, Mother, uh, oh, Giselle, Mother Giselle sings after the Inquisition has basically crumbled. Um, your hero is questioning uh, their faith and everything. And the song's called, um, it's funny, I hear in my head, oh, the dawn will come. Uh, it, it's a nice, uh, some people didn't like it because they thought it was too gooey or kumbaya. But um, she basically just starts singing like shadows fall and, and 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 it's a song about rising up and it's a song that I know I've even in my personal life I've constantly gone back to because it it very much encapsulates that hero's quest that 
that hour of darkness. Here's my inner librarian or writer coming out now. <laughs> um, that that hour, that hour of darkness. That you know you must rise out from the you know from the the hero's journey, the the trajectory. Um, and it was such a sweet moment too, where you hear all these people coming together, and um, you know, and and the Inquisition comes back, and it it it's it's stronger than ever. And you you know that you know even in a very dark world, like a dark fantasy world, like Dragon Age, that there's always hope, regardless. Like you know, if you just keep believing, there is hope. Um, and I also will say I do love uh, that that they do have like a ro- a very short romance song that plays um, during the kiss. Well, I know they play during the kiss with Dorian, and I've listened to that on repeat, especially while reading. <laughs> and also, um, there's a song in uh, uh, Dorian. Well, I don't want to say it's Dorian's story per se, but if you choose to side. I guess with the mages, you get I, you get Dorian early, which is why well I don't side with them. I actually end up um, conscripting them. I know that's horrible, but I choose I choose to go with the mages because you get access to Dorian sooner. But there is a song that plays while you're in the dungeon, um, and there's a very like quiet violin, a very atmospheric feel to it that just really gets me into this kind of mood. So yeah. So what's interesting, you mentioned that song, and I instantly went to YouTube to look it up and uh, pinned right to the top of the comments section because, you know, YouTube comments are always the best. Um, it's got a guy, Richard, who says, hey, everyone, I was a cinematic designer at Bioware responsible for the presentation of the scene. I just wanted to say how much your comments and feelings towards the scene are not only humbling and awe-inspiring, but also incredible, incredibly revealing. For months after the scene was completed, I was stressed and worried the scene was going to fall flat, that it was just too corny or it's just not going to hit the mark. But hearing all of you say the opposite is truly comforting, and I'm grateful for that. So uh, it sounds even like YouTube commenters love the dawn will come. Yeah, it's more of a unpopular opinion, at least in the fandom, to kind of crap on the song. But there are people who do crap on it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, there's people who crap on everything in every game, so Touché. yeah, kind of inevitable. But you know, that that's why we have David on to represent that. Listen, I'm doing my very best to not be mean to people here. <laughs> I may dislike what I, my experience with this game, but I don't think it's a meritless game. It just bounced off me very hard. Oh, yeah, that's that's fine. I, you know what? Um, tying together our podcast family of games, uh, I've been painting uh, bathroom last weekend, so I just like listen to podcasts, podcasts, podcasts that I put off for a while. So marathoning through a bunch of RPG casts and Q&A quests, I hear Tam on a lot recently. And you got Tam talking Super Super Robot Wars, which you are you and Tam are going on and on and on about Super Robot Wars. And then he brings it up on RPG cast. And Chris is just like, no, 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 this is not a game for me. I can't it like it's so repelling Tam. Like, I can't. No, we're not talking Super Robot Wars. And then no five minutes later, so much on Q&A quest. <laughs> yes, yes. And then you get the exact opposite with the final 14, final fantasy 14 talk. Cause him and Chris are talking about plots of land and home decorations and Chris's oh, 
no, plan I for... have one strong opinion about <laughs> FF14 that's well-founded, and that's, and that's that creating scarcity of land in your digital world is the shittiest thing imaginable. <laughs> and then, yeah, you're, you're so anti... Not not necessarily anti Final Fantasy fourteen, just like MMOs aren't for you. So like, <laughs> MMOs nope. are not for me and I tried. <laughs> so so yeah, it's it's funny Pam goes to those podcasts and he gets a little bit of something from one and a little bit of something from other and shot down by you and Chris on the opposites on either one. So hey, yeah, you know, that's why we have all our podcasts. That's why we got all our different people. We get all of our different opinions out there. And uh, yep. y- you are wonderful listeners. I'm sure you've got all your different opinions on stuff. So, all right. Speaking I'm of. I'm sure I'm someone's bet noir at the very least. <laughs> Hey, I, I enjoy doing mindless tasks, listening to Q&A, and you can be talking about 1950s uh, American, what is it, comic book rules about what they need to do and can and can't do in comic books. I'm fine with oh, that. Oh, God, did I go on the EC Comics thing again? Oh, no, no, that, that's from, that was a while back. That was a long, okay. long time back. I mean, I but, do that every probably at least once a year, so, I mean, yep. <laughs> just, just trying to carbon date this. That that was the most random of things that popped into my head in, like, two seconds of thinking about that, so. Much appreciated. <laughs> so that's all right, but, uh, no, no, I enjoy listening to you guys. Everybody's got their own uh, little things that they want to talk about, and you put them all together. We got a bunch of podcasts, and it, it's it, there's something out there for everybody. Yep. All Absolutely. Right. So we did talk about when you played the game specifically. Um, David played it a little bit early. Uh, Javon, you were chucking down the Red Bulls the day of release, and then Sam played it a little bit later. But uh, any any time in your life that you associate with this, um, other than Red Bull, or any way that it impacted you, other than God damn it, I'm not playing this anymore. No, I, I, yeah, and I, I, I had a good time playing it, but, you know, having years away from it, like, the, the flaws are much more noticeable for me now. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a game that I would ever say to somebody, like, don't play, because I think, again, if you like characters, it's a great game to play. Um, but just in terms of, like, memories, I'll be honest, I can't really think of anything. Um, again, Scott and I were playing it, you know, we'd yell at each other while, you know, playing the game. Like, oh, you dated so-and-so? Uh. Um, because that's what we do. We're a married couple, and we shame each other for our personal choices in video games. Most of the time, we actually usually date the same person in things. Dragon Age was a weird case where we did not. <laughs> so, yeah, no. We, we are a marriage of based on who did you date in video games. Nice. So I, th- I figured I'd better come up with like another question here because we'd already spoiled that kind of <laughs> quite a bit. Um, but I, this is one of the games that you can walk around. You can pretty much kill anybody you want, right? At, at any time. There are a lot of uh, NPC no. killing. No. 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 You can't no, just randomly no, go up to people and murder them. This is not a This Bethesda is not the game. Elder Scrolls. Damn it. I was looking on and I found a lovely like killing everyone in Dragon Age Inquisition video, but... No, uh, there are certainly it, choices that it, will get people killed, but they're very rare yes. and impactful. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's not, uh, again, it's not a Bethesda game where you can literally just walk up to anybody that's not a child and murder them. <laughs> let's let's be specific there. Bethesda games do not let you murder even, children. Even though the children are often horrifying models shrunken from adults and look like demon Ooh. spawn. <laughs> let's not talk about Big Town. <laughs> a little lamplight. Correct, let's not. Well, was there a memorable death 
that occurred in this game that you either felt very vindictive about causing it or impacted you negatively? It was like, no, no, because no, I kept everybody alive in this game. Like, this is not Mass Effect Two. Talk about Logan again. I mean, I can kill Logan again. He's the only one I did kill, and I, I it was satisfying. That that's what I've got. Okay. Yeah, no, it was pretty so. safe. They didn't really. Uh, well, okay, I shouldn't say complete 100% safe, but they didn't have any, like, for me personally, there weren't any, like, oh, actually, wait a second, Sam actually brought it up uh, way earlier, um, oh, what's her name, oh, um, uh, what's her name's mom, uh, Plymouth? Plymouth, yes, that was, oh, that, that, that got me. under my skin because, um, I, I really liked Plymouth too. Um and I, I can quote verbatim her intro into Dragon Age 2. <laughs> well, well, what have we here? But anyway, um Plymouth didn't deserve uh, what she got, man. She did not deserve that. She's yeah, a shitty and, and person, she was very but intriguing. She had such a multi-layered existence, and I'm hoping they do a little more diving on her because she was always mysterious and then you find out that you know she's connected with this uh mythological figure in elven lore um but it was it was just very surprising and was a bit baffling because yes she's definitely not like and when I say not a great character, I don't mean like not a great written, but I mean great as in like, you know, she's not virtuous. She, There we go, virtuous. She's not a very virtuous character. But at the same time, she had just enough of a motherly instinct to not completely destroy. Um, well, I'm, I'm doing terrible with names right now. Uh, what's her daughter's name? <laughs> Morgan. Morgan, yes, thank you. To not totally destroy Morgan's life. As a matter of fact, she was... Morgan was terrified that she was going to, you know, hurt her son, but you find out that, you know, the her the the her plan or her role wasn't to, you know, hurt Morgan, but you know, was to still, you know, eventually build up to what how they ended it. But still, there was at least a little bit of a pullback from her not being totally ruthless and going, you know, she I I can't remember the line, but there's a line where it, you ba she's basically saying, you know, my intention wasn't to hurt you. Like, you know, I I like I it wasn't the plan wasn't to you know take him away and to do horrible things and stuff like that. So, all right, all right. Well, it sounds like uh, <laughs> oh, I'll see you guys type in the Google Doc there. Um, looks like we've kind of reached the end here. If this sounds like a game that uh you you know years later here want to play. Um, it's going to set you back quite a bit. You know, I think we already spoiled that the game of the year edition, uh, at least for the next two and a half hours and probably again sometime in June and July will be on sale for eight dollars on PSN. So, you know, two coffees worth or uh, a disc copy probably won't even cost you that much. Nope. Uh, I was looking on uh, eBay and you might be able to get as low as five dollars for the disc copy. <laughs> Yeah, there, there were plenty of like buy it nows for six and a couple auctions starting off around three with no uh, limit and no shipping. So, yeah, you know, play your cards right and you may get it for a crisp five dollar bill there. Um, apparently, if you want it brand new in the shrink wrap, though, you might have to spend upwards of like twenty five, twenty six dollars. So. Uh, in no way are you going to break the bank on this game. The digital and... version, I just want to say the digital version constantly goes on sale on both 
PlayStation, uh, actually on all platforms, there's like a sale mm-hmm. like every couple of months where it's like for like I, for instance, because I'm a weirdo, uh, I well not weirdo, but because I'm a bit obsessed, I have the PS4 version, then I got the the full set because I wanted all the DLC, but I also mm-hmm. bought it on um, Xbox, which actually is kind of counterproductive if you have the Game Pass because you can get it for well quote unquote for free. But I got it for like $5, and that was the whole package when it was like 75 or 80% off or something like that. And they constantly have that uh, cycling throughout the year as well. So that, not a difficult game to come by, and it will not set you back very much. So um, whether you're good cop and get a whole lot of enjoyment out of your $8, or if you're bad cop, you know, the price of two coffees and... You can walk away after a little bit. It's it's okay. Not Maybe everybody has to I'll finish every game. Revise my opinion. <laughs> hey, and if you do talk about it on Q and A quest, don't come back here because we're done. We're done talking about Dragon Age. <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't <laughs> stay here. Yay! Uh, yay! Thank you, David. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Jervon, for uh, coming on tonight and talking about this. Ever a pleasure. Thank you no so problem. much. And yes, always. And with that, I'm going to just bid everyone adieu. Have a good night. Shadows fall and hope has fled. Steal your heart, the dawn will come. The night is long and the path is dark. Look to the sky for one day soon. The dawn will come. The shepherd's lost and his home is far. Keep to the stars. The dawn will come. Oh, that's, that's one I haven't heard in a while.